In our New Testament reading today again, uh, our, the same reading from 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, uh, chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, Paul's closing words to Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. And Father, now as we, uh, we come to look to your word together, we pray with the psalmist that you would search us, that you would know us, that you would try our hearts, O Lord, and see if there be any crooked or deceitful or bent way within us. Lord, that you would lead us in the way everlasting and that you would set us apart by your word, that you would sanctify us by your word, that you'd make us clean by your word, O God. We thank you for it. We surrender ourselves to it. We submit ourselves to its authority. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this place, may they be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our only redeemer. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Nice to see you, Toby and Larry, today. What a pleasure to have you here with us. So we're looking again at these, uh, these three last words to Paul. We looked at last week, Paul's um, exhortation to Timothy to be a certain man because he was leaving. And Paul's imagery of himself being poured out like a drink offering, that libation offering that makes the sacrifice of the church more redolent and more glorious to the Lord. It's a beautiful, powerful image. Um, and uh, here I want to look at these today. We're going to look at these three metaphors uh, that Paul returns to. And then next week, we'll look at this idea of the crown of righteousness that the Lord will give to Paul. Um, I'm in a certain quest as we, as we um, are, are undergoing the sabbatical together. I find that I'm on a quest to perfect the short sermon. <clears throat> and uh, I said I was going to be short last week, and I, I wasn't quite as short as I wanted to be. So I'll aim to do an even better job today. Um, three metaphors that Paul uses today. He, he, he talks about these uh, athletic, well, at least two athletic images. Paul's mind, as, as he writes to the church and as he shepherds the church, as he pastors them, it continually goes back to these athletic metaphors. It's very difficult to think of the Apostle Paul, um, when you think about this, without thinking of him as one who's, who's really taken by it. He's really enamored by the games, by the Greek games. And I'm convinced that if, if there were some kind of sports channel, Paul would have been watching. He loved it. He doesn't go there because he, he has to. He goes there because he values this idea of athleticism and of the games. And I, I'm convinced if he could be there, at least present at one of these competitions, he would have gone just to watch. It has to be somehow dignified in his mind for him to apply it to the Christian life. He goes there most famously in 1 Corinthians 9, and I just want to read this uh, passage to you, a passage that's uh, familiar to many of us. 
He says this to the church at Corinth, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? You Corinthians so run that you may obtain the prize. Run to win. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, that laurel. But we run to receive an imperishable crown. So I don't run aimlessly. I run with purpose. I don't box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body. I keep my body under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. You notice how Paul here in Corinth, he uses these two athletic metaphors. He uses the race and he uses the wrestling match. And he uses the same here to Timothy. He says, I have, I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. And then he says, I have, uh, to finish it off, I have, I have kept the faith. Paul looks back at his life and he sums it all up with these athletic metaphors and the emphasis here is on effort. The emphasis here is on determined toil. The emphasis here is Paul characterizes what his whole life's been about. It's been about labor uh, for the Lord. Think about what he says to the Colossians. Uh, Colossians 1.29 and this is such a perfect verse to characterize who Paul is and what he does. He's talking now about his task to present every person mature in Christ. This is what he longs for, right? He longs to, like he says to the Galatians, he, he's like a mother and he's toiling in labor and he wants to give birth to mature Christians. This is his whole purpose. And he says here to the Colossians about presenting every person mature in Christ, for this I toil. It's a very strong word in the Greek. Then he says, struggling with all his energy that powerfully works in me. Toil, struggle. Now, it's not Paul's uh, energies, although it is. It's not Paul's sweat, although it is. It's the, it's the power of Christ now present in Paul, and then it works out powerfully with toil and the struggle. It's a very convicting image for us when we think about our Christian life and how all of us think about what we do in terms of presenting people mature in Christ. The longing to see the church developed and grown and expanded and Christ's name glorified. It's very, very important that we remember Paul's words and ask ourselves, do I toil? Do I struggle with all of his power working mightily in me? Well, for Paul, that's what life was all about. There's three types of toil here uh, that we see. The first is the wrestling match. <clears throat> I have fought the good fight. Now, the implication is that there's all kinds of fights that aren't good. All kinds of things that we can get caught up, caught up in. All kinds of wrestling matches that aren't worth our while. Paul says, I have fought, and he qualifies it, the good fight. And the, I think the, the echo that we ought to hear here is, in, is from Ephesians 5. When Paul talks about wrestling, 
he clarifies this to the church and he qualifies it. There's only one kind of wrestling that goes on. We don't wrestle against political powers. We don't really wrestle against even, you know, um, what's happening in the school district or what's happening um, in various sectors of society. Paul says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And then he, he, he lists out these things that we fight against. We wrestle, wrestle against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's your life. When we forget that, when we forget that that is what our life is about, we've drifted away from God's purpose for us in Christ. Every morning when we wake up, your purpose is to wrestle and to fight against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places um, that is doing all that it can to resist the purposes of God. So number one, Paul says, uh, there's toil and wrestling against the evil one. I'm convinced, you know, that the, there's two errors we can fall into. We can fall into this really kind of hyper-awareness of, of the demonic, where there's a devil beneath every stone, and then just the forgetfulness, right? Just the, the mindlessness of these things. We go weeks with on end, and there's no sense of a purpose in our lives to wrestle against the evil one. Some of us need to read the story of uh, St. Anthony. He's a bit of a kooky guy, but some of us, Athanasius' life of St. Anthony, read about him in the desert fighting demons. Just wake you up a little bit, at least to get a, a colorful metaphor um, for what it is we're doing every day. And Paul says it's toil. And it involves discipline. You see, when we give ourselves to what this age is all about, it's pleasures. It's a little pampering our bodies. We eat too much. We drink too much. We watch TV too much. We glut ourselves too much. When we give ourselves to satisfying ourselves, just pleasing ourselves, Paul says we don't fight. I don't, I don't beat the air. I beat myself, he says. I discipline my body. And it's that way that I'm, I'm able to enter into this fight. This is a toil that Paul points out here. And he says, I've done this my whole life. I have fought the good fight. The second is the endurance race. I have run the race. The, 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 the toil of fighting and now the toil of enduring. This is just the virtue of, of not giving up. And when you think about all that Paul went through... And all of the opportunities Paul had just to say, I give up. I don't want to do it anymore. Bishop Mool, he, he sums up Paul's life like this. He says, the days and nights of care and toil, the fight with temptations outward and inward, the conflicts with subtle and aggressive error, the thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, the extreme physical exhaustion amidst the personal perils and half-deaths of those long travelings. All those incredibly tiring things that Paul did for the sake of the gospel and all those moments when he could have said to himself, I don't want to do it anymore. 
I just want to give up. Paul says, I've run the race. I didn't stop. I don't like long distance running personally. It's very uncomfortable. I've always not liked it. You know, when I was in elementary school, we had a pond and we had to run around this pond. And I, I just, I hated it. High school, we had this thing called a milk run. We were to run up Mount Bushri and around, or the goat's run, or whatever it was. It was, I hated it. it it's, it's suffering. It's painful to keep running and not stop. <clears throat> but there's a virtue in simple endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who himself models endurance. Jesus endured the pain of the cross for the joy that was set before him. Just not giving up. Now, it's easy not to give up if all you're doing is pampering yourself. But it's not giving up through all the hardship that you embrace for the sake of the gospel. The cross, the Lord, the Lord can cross us in all manner of ways. This is the wonderful thing about how God treats us. He takes all the afflictions that are, that are common to all life, to all people in life, and he can use those afflictions to cross us, to bring us down. That's wonderful. But the cross, specifically, taking up our cross, little Theophilus, taking up our cross. You're such a good listener. Yes, you are. Taking up our cross is embracing suffering for the sake of the gospel. It is embracing purposefully pain for the sake of the gospel. And Paul says when we keep doing that and we go through all the difficulties and we just, we, we don't give up. I've, I've run the race. The third thing he says is we, I've kept the faith. Now this sounds different. It sounds rather cerebral. It sounds like Paul's just saying, you know, I faithfully studied the catechism. I, I, I've kind of been diligent in crossing all of my theological T's and dotting all my theological I's. I've, I've kept it. But the word here, keep, um, in the Greek is very particular, tereo. When I was um, a doctoral student at the University of Toronto, I had a little um, study carol in Robarts University and a um, little tiny office in the library. And uh, I was studying the, uh, the statutes of Emmanuel College, Cambridge. It was founded back in the late 16th century. It was a Protestant, even Puritan college at, uh, at, at Cambridge. And I was studying the, the, um, the statutes that made the college what it was. And I came across this line in, in Greek that um, characterized uh, or gave a model for the college. And it says, this is what the college is. Sothon psukon frontisteria, it said. This is who we are. Sothon, with the word wise. Psukon, um, for the word soul. We get the word psychology from uh, psuche, the soul. And then frontisteria. We are an academy of philosophic souls. I thought to myself, that is like one of the best models for a university, an academy of philosophic souls. That's lovely enough, but then I looked at the word that they use for academy, frontis teoria. The academy was frontis for mind, and teoria from tereo, a guardian. The university is a guardian of the mind. 
The university protects the mind. It isn't just going to let it go wherever it wants to go. It protects it and it guards it. Tereo means to guard. It means to keep. It means to defend. And Paul now characterizes his life as one who has been like a, 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 um, um, a, 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 like a helm's deep. You know, in, in, uh, it's interesting in the Lord of the Rings, in the, in the three novels, the three movements, all of them have these movements of uh, defense. And they increase in the critical nature of the defense and they increase in the, um, the type of battle that goes on. And so in the beginning, we have the defense of Rivendell. And the evil ones try to come into Revendil, but they're thwarted by the defense of Gandalf. They're rather easily uh, thwarted, even though it's a, it's a critical moment. In the Two Towers, we have that next moment of defense. It's Helm's Deep. And now the enemy comes in like a flood. And they drive them away again with Gandalf's help and all those wonderful walking trees that swallow up the orcs. But then in the third novel, we have the, the great defense of the White City of, of Gondor. And that fierce battle that goes on, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. They're guarding and they're protecting. Paul says, this is what life's about. You are guarding the faith. So not frontisteria, but pististeria. You are now guardians of the faith. You're to protect it. And to protect it, we have to know it. And the evil one will come against the church. He is coming against the church to corrupt and to diminish and to water down the faith. To make it what it's not. Part of what Christ's church is doing is to guard the faith and protect it. And Paul says to Timothy, I've done this. So let's think today and remember very carefully that our call is to fight the evil one daily. It is to run the race and not give up. Keep going. Keep plotting. Don't stop. And it's to know the faith and to defend the faith. In an age where all of the, um, all of the moorings of the church uh, seem to be coming apart. So God grant to each of us today great grace to remember these things. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.